We asked a while back if there were stories of freedom, where God has um, come into your life and set you free from something, or if, he has, if he's doing a work, if he's in the process of bringing freedom into your life. And Jen was somebody who volunteered. And her story that she is going to share is going to be very tangible for all of us, because it has to do with their family dynamic, and it's also um, super vulnerable. So I just really appreciate the fact that you're willing to be real with us because that's who we are as the body of Christ. We're not about holding back secrets and things and keeping them to ourselves. We're about wrestling those things through as a body and showing each other this is what God does. This is how he's at work um, in our lives. So Jen, why don't you just introduce yourself to and your family and you can go from there. There you go. My name is Jen. Okay. Um, my husband is Tony, and my daughter McKenna, um, my son, is across the way. Um, he's eight, and so, um, yeah, I just, um, when I was asked to speak about freedom, I at first sort of wrestled with um, what am I feeling free of, but um, I'm in the midst of um, just some family growing pains. Our teenage daughter is... Um, figuring out how to, you know, grow up. And um, as parents, it's difficult to, um, you know, allow that process to happen. And so there's definitely been some turmoil in the house. And, and can I just say one thing? You mm-hmm. asked their permission. Tell them what, yeah. tell everybody what they said when you were going to share. Well, when I, when I was talking to my husband this morning, actually, about um, what I was going to speak about, um, it's it's vulnerable because it's sort of a work in progress. It's not I don't feel free most days, but um, it's a process that we're going through. And my husband was very um, clear to say I'd rather be messed up and authentic than um, perfect and fake. So. <laughs> yeah. So what's been what what where's the struggle been, and then how are you seeing freedom start to? To happen in in your lives. Um, well, the struggle again is just um, is parenting um, a teenage daughter that's growing, and um, uh, what's the turmoil that's been happening in me is that through um, that process, um, I've realized that I'm um, I'm I'm just be- I'm growing the last couple of years in anger and bitterness um, and hopelessness that things aren't perfect and peaceful in my house um, and that. Their relationship isn't um, what I hope, you know, it, it would, could be. So, um, yeah, just really struggling with, like, anger and, and hopelessness primarily. And I was telling Jen before um, she got up here to talk, because I raised a teenage son. Now he's grown. Thank you, Lord. Um, but, but it's true. I mean, when teenagers are in the house, there can be so much um, conflict, and it's hard, and it's real. Yeah, so um, as this is sort of being revealed to me, um, that I was uh, really struggling with the anger, um, God sort of has been um, approaching me gently to say that this anger is is actually an idol, um, and it's prohibiting my relationship um, with the Lord. It's it's a block between um, how he wants to love me and um, and that I... You know, because it can feel really good to be angry sometimes. Like, you feel really justified and like, well, yeah, things aren't right. And, like, you should fix it. <laughs> um, and God, God is just asking me to, um, 
to lay that down. It was interesting because earlier um, when we were talking, um, she was talking a little bit about the conflict between Kenna and her dad. And I said, isn't that interesting that it's very similar to your conflict between you and your father? You know, like that's how, but it's interesting in all of us, that's how he works out our um, formation as children of God. It's sometimes through conflict and wrestle and all of that. Um, So he can redeem all of that. So what has he been showing you um, through this? Well, he's he's really been telling me that um, I've put myself on a throne of judgment. And that's pretty painful to hear um, that I've given myself sort of rule over like what's right and how things should be. Um, And so he's just been reminding me that that he's merciful Mm. to me and um, that he loves them and he is doing things and I might not see them, um, but that my my trust should be in the Lord and um, that he is working it all out and um, that I, excuse me, that I am hopeful, that um, love always hopes. And so if I'm, if I'm going to be loving, um, I need to be hopeful, and, but hopeful in the Lord that he is doing what he needs to do. Um, and so just giving him back the authority um, to take care of it. Mm-hmm. So moving from control, which control never feels free, to this place of hope, which is always free. Yeah, and he can work in that hope, so that's a beautiful thing. So, um, Jen, thank you for sharing. And let's, let's pray for Jen. If you could um, just put your hand out. Um, God, we thank you so much for Jen and her family. God, we thank you for um, how you have not abandoned them and you've spoken specifically into their dynamic, Lord. And you are forming and shaping all three of them to look more and more like you. And we thank you so much for that. We thank you that you um, come into a place of chaos and you bring hope and you bring, um, you bring truth. And, um, and you are um, the best dad because you know how to discipline us and how to work with us in a way that we don't even have a clue about. Um, God, we pray for every family in this room that might be struggling with some kind of conflict. Lord, I pray that you would reframe that today and that you would bring that same kind of hope and that same kind of freedom into their lives. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jen. Getting free from those triangles. It's actually a really good metaphor. And the reality is, uh, Jen, thank you. You're sharing the reality of this. I'm not convinced in our humanity that we can always be free. But I believe we can experience more and more freedom. And so I don't know where you are with feeling free, because this is how this can turn out. This can turn out like the following. They're saying I'm supposed to be free. Uh... I'm either not good at this or this isn't true. Uh, and, and the reality is, it is true you can be more free. We're just not very good at it. So we are the problem, and that's okay, and that's why we're here. And we just keep working it out. It's called working out your salvation. We just keep working it out. So, Jen, that's why I appreciate the authentic journey and McKenna and Tony letting us into the reality, and everybody could nod their heads in the story you told and relate to it in some way because it speaks to us always trying to get free. I want to take you back and first, I'll introduce myself. I'm Brian Wren, one of the pastors on staff. And I want to take you back to early 2000s. Do you know where you were in 2004? 
what was going on in your life right at the beginning of the year, January. In 2004, January of that month, it was a dreary, rainy day. And I was invited into a story of freedom. I was invited into an adoption exchange. The interesting part about that is I went and grabbed off my shelf this book they give you when you become an ordained pastor in the covenant, and that just means you've gone through your classes, and they kind of give you a stamp and say, good luck. Um, and the reality is I looked at my book, and it said there are sections for things, funerals, baby dedications. There's no section for adoption exchange. So then I went to some of my colleagues, and I said, did you ever do one of these? And nobody could say yes. So I went, well, Brian, you're on your own. And God, what am I going to say? How do I deal with this? What's this going to feel like? Here's how it felt. I entered into a hospital room, and I had two very strong emotions. One of deep, deep, deep pain for the birth mom. She sat there in the bed. She was holding the baby. What am I going to say to her? And then there's the family with actually some of the other relatives in the room to take some pictures. And theirs is in pain. Theirs is this promise almost fulfilled. And there's going to be this exchange. And I'm sweating. And I can, God, what do I say? I was told I made the mom feel valued. Praise the Lord. Because that's what I was hoping to do. I was told, I prayed over the baby and gave thanks for life and for, in essence, a promise fulfilled. There was a long, long run of inability to have a child. That whole, dis- that whole thing was being played out. Should they do domestic, international? They went domestic and the answers got answered. The prayers got answered. But there was still this pain. And I couldn't elevate this one too high because of someone else was in the room experiencing Actually, the ultimate sacrifice. Oh my. One sacrifice turning into a celebration for another. I went back to my car and I think out of one eye, <laughs> I cried deep sadness. And the other eye, <laughs> I cried deep celebration. And we know that's not true. They're mixed tears. But in the end, I was just overwhelmed by it. And then as I drove home, I thought to myself, Will it take, and what I mean by that, will that child, as that child grows up, fully accept the family that they've just been given, unmerited, unearned, and will they love and receive the love and let that love and all the physical emotional and spiritual benefits that are going to pour over them based on being in that family than being in really that less unhealthy family that lacks some physical, lacks some emotional, and lacks some spiritual. But would they receive it and live from that? Or would they deny it? You're not my mom and dad. You never were. I'm not like you. And go live in their own way. I call this the garden syndrome. Will you write that down? Because that's what we're trying to figure out today. How much is the garden syndrome hindering our ability to receive our adoption into God's family? Garden syndrome is this, the denial 
And then the self-reliance that Adam and Eve had of what God wanted to give them. Do you get it? It's what they experienced in the garden where they pushed off the love of the Father, chose self-reliance, and said, we got this. And the first question God then asked them was, where are you? What a deep question. Not just one of geography, but one of actual, where's your heart? Where are you? It's interesting, I drove home that day and the years went by and it really hasn't been until these last couple of weeks where that story came to life in my head and I reconnected with the family and how deeply profound adoption is and how it changes everything and how we actually can experience that fully because by faith we're adopted in the kingdom of God. So my question for you today as we head into the text is, where are you with garden syndrome? Where are you with wrestling with, I've been adopted, do I fully understand what I have? And am I living from it? Am I actually living from it? Because I believe that actually provides the greatest freedom. And we have to keep actually coming back to it. Because remember, we're human, we're forgetful, and it's, it's hard to make it constant. I want to do this together today. So would you open up in Galatians and if you have a pew Bible, you don't have a Bible with you, open up to page 1169. Because I'm going to actually have you do some work. I got us rolling. I'm going to have you participate pretty fully in this today. Page 1169, it's Galatians 3.23. If you have your phone, open up your U version. If you push events or find it in your little hamburger, you'll be able to get the notes that are in there. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to do some discovery Bible study together. And you're going, Brian, you're going to make me work? It's 1137 on a Sunday. Come on. But what I'm going to do is read the text and then let you sit in it and let the Spirit of God speak to you. And then we're going to see what it's saying to us collectively, what it's emphasizing. It's been interesting how it's emphasized different things in different gatherings today. And then we'll continue to wrestle with this adoption process. Everybody ready? Galatians 3, 23, we're going to read to 4, 7. Just enjoy the text right now. Feel no pressure to let it, to intellectualize it. Just let it, just let it read. You read it and let it read you. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was actually our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Chapter 4, verse 1. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is underage, there's no different from a slave. No, they're no different than a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God said his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. 
that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you're sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. So the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you're his child, God has made you also an heir. Take another try at that. Turn your insert to the next page. On the screen, you'll see the questions. Write out the verse that, con that connected to you the most. If you don't have a message notes, do this. Grab a pew Bible, page 1169. Grab just a response card and write out that. It, you can just do it. Just grab a Bible and a pew. Grab a card. Reread it through. Pick your passage. Write it down. And then the second thing is paraphrase it, meaning this. Sum it up as short as possible. I love doing this as a family. It's actually hard at times to do this as a family. And I love when well, I'll say to my nine-year-old boy, which passage did you pick and what's it say to you? And it's always short and sweet and right to the point. Because he's a kid. He's like, it says this, Dad. All right, I'm going to give you some minutes right now. Go, and I'll pray for us as you do that. Lord, thank you that you give us this word, that it's accessible. And Lord, you give us this idea that we've been adopted. And then if we live from that, the freedom begins. And we can always return to it when we forget. Give us a passage today, Lord, individually. Speak to us now. So write out a verse that connects you the most. And then how would you paraphrase it? Just write that down. All right, you probably have your verse by now. See if you can paraphrase it. Sorry if this feels like the self-checkout aisle at Safeway. We won't do it like this every week. Try to rewrite it in a way that short that you'll walk out of here and go, that mattered to me. I get what that meant. God seems to be speaking to me about that. Give you about 20 seconds here. Actually, I'll give you 30. All right, we ready? Even if you're not ready, it's okay. Let's see who won. If we're going to do this, let's see who won. So I've been taking tallies in the last two gatherings. Raise your hand if you picked verse 23. Nobody? One? There's somebody? 
Oh, a couple. Okay, that's good. All right. Don't feel alone. It's the verse for you. Verse 24. We got a few. Verse 24, okay. Verse 25. Get a few, few, few smatterings. This is good. This is what God has for you. Verse 26. A little more. Yeah, there's more there. Okay. Verse 27. There's a good bit, not a bunch. Okay, a bunch. 28. Woo! All right, we got 20, all right, 26 and 28 right now. 29. 29, we got a few. Now we're to chapter 4, verse 1. Who picked verse 1? We got one for one. Verse 2. Poor verse 2. Nobody picked verse 2? Verse 2 is not that bad. Verse 3. We got a few for verse 3. Verse 4. John picked verse 4, a few others. Okay. Sorry, John, to call you out. Verse 5. Verse 6. Hmm. Verse 7. Whoa. We got a winner. It's verse 7. It's interesting. Verse 6, 7, 26. It's been the theme. There's some core. There's something there. It's actually, it was verse 28 in 905 about unity, neither Jew nor Greek uh, or Gentile, it was in there. So God's up to something here about verse 7 being an heir, verse 6 being the father, Abba Father, verse 26. Here's what's great. The word of God speaks to our souls. The passage you got is the passage you're supposed to get. You'll hear many things today, but maybe that's the key thing God wants you to walk away with. The big idea that I'm hoping we will continue to wrestle with and hold on to because it provides the core of our freedom is this. Knowing you're a child of God brings freedom. Now, I want you to wrestle with this again. I want you to finish this line. I've experienced freedom as a child of God, dot, dot, dot. I've experienced freedom as a child of God, dot, dot, dot. So I want you to really, I want you to be able to hold right now, what's one way you've experienced freedom? What's one way? In my own life, one way I've experienced freedom as a child of God from some things I was overly attached to in the world, okay? Greed was one of them. Doesn't mean it doesn't come back, but I was overly attached to that, Okay? I have an alcoholic family. I was overly attached to that. There's been freedom from that, okay? We can get more into the subtle things. For my glory, oh, geez, now I let you in, okay? For my glory versus his, so for that I get the glory, that'd be another thing I get overly attached to. Fear might be another one. Or how about this? Maybe you're on this side of the yoke where you get overly attached to pleasing God so he accepts you more. If I do these certain things, he loves me more. If I attend and I make up my own box of rules, and maybe he's giving you freedom from that. Write down one thing. As a child of God, God has given me freedom from. Do you have one? Because when we understand that we are his child, I believe there's so much more freedom he wants us to have. 
knowing you're a child of God truly does bring freedom. Think about an adopted child. If that child fully receives what that family has for him, he lives in ways he could have never lived. He'll probably have to fight off, actually, some attachments that he could get overly attached to. And if that family has a religious approach, they would, he would probably have to fight those off. But the core of the love that was provided, they opened up a whole new view, perspective, power capable to that child. That's what God has for us. But it starts with understanding that we're his. The core passage comes out of Galatians 3.26. It really is. We're glad a lot of people picked that because that's the core passage of today. So in Christ, you're a chil- you are all children of God. That would be interesting just stopping right there. So in Christ, you are all children of God. We'd really have to unpack what in Christ meant because it just doesn't say you're all children of God. It does say, and let's get this very clear, it does say in the Bible, in Genesis, we're all made in the image of God. But there it says, in circle, in Christ, we're children of God. How do you get in Christ? Imagine trying to explain that to a six-year-old. How do you get in Christ? That terminology is very confusing. The latter part does help. In Christ through faith. So through faith in Christ. Does that help a little more? You could explain that to a six-year-old. Through faith in Christ, you are all children of God. And it's interesting, faith is a risk. Faith gets you from here to here. I was with some guys yesterday, and we were down at a men's retreat, and there was a ropes course. You know, in those ropes course, oh, great Scott, at one point you have to jump and take the leap of faith. You know, and a guy stands on the little beam, and you're wondering, can that... Uh, a 5205 pound girl who's belaying him really save his life right now? And the good news is the bigger guy who's like six foot came over and held some strap around her in case the guy was too heavy. And in the end, they jump and they took the risk of faith. And they experience this freedom as they go off that thing in a way that they couldn't had they not, what? Had faith in those below and taken the risk. Paul wants us to really see this because if you go back to the beginning of the passage, look at Galatians 23 through 25. Five times he brings up faith. You won't see it on the screen, but just hear it and look back on your message notes. Before the coming of this faith, so this faith was coming, we were held in custody under the law. The law had us bound, but it was good though. We were locked up until the faith that was to come could be revealed. So the law was our guardian. The law was a good guardian. It protects us. But in the end, it has limitations. It doesn't allow us to feel that free until Christ came that we may be be what? Justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we're no longer under the guardian. So in Christ, so it's not all about the rules and regulations. There's this freedom in the relationship. Those rules are good. There's a moral code to follow. But the ceremonial and civil laws of the Old Testament, in many ways, we we can do away with those. But the moral code, the Ten Commandment code, that's good, that's good. And look what it goes on to say. Now that faith has come, we're no longer under that guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. We have this new accessible faith that doesn't go through all the rules and regulations, but it goes through Christ straight to the Father. It's mysterious and can be confusing, but it's something we have to receive. Look what it says in John 1, 12 to 13. Yet to all who did receive him. So you actually have to receive him. To those who believe, that's how you receive by believing. 
He gave the right to be children of God. And look how he makes the difference. You're just not born into this because you were born. You're born again. Tough term in the culture, but it's true. You're born again. Because you're children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but you're born again of God. And then look what you get as a child of God. Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You get this injection of the Spirit. And your eyes are open. You can't see things the same way you saw it before. You do fade from that sometimes and you have to come back to it. But you get it and it's always there if you're willing to access it. And look what it's based on. I remember coming across 1 John 3, 1 and being a bit overwhelmed by it. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. There's this great love that he wants to pour on that child and that family and on us. And when we live from that love that changes our identity and what we believe we are, and we don't need that world to tell us who we are, and we don't need the rules to tell us that we're right, we just are. Can you relate to that? We don't need the world to tell us who we are, and we don't need the rules to tell us that we're right. We just are. We're just loved. That's a hard one to believe, though, isn't it? That's a leap of faith. I don't need them to tell me who I am, and I don't need to do the right things to feel like I'm good enough. I am just am. That almost seems scandalous. Do I just get to show up and be in the family and believe I'm loved? That's what we want for that adopted child, because they reject that. Where does that go? It's like Israel going back, it's, it's like Israel going back to Egypt. It's like us going back to our old stuff. Anybody relate to that? If I had to sum up how this happened, so if you actually just had to take those texts and kind of scram it, cram it together and say, all right, let's just say it in a shorter version, like paraphrase the whole thing. Here's what I'd say. You were a slave under the law, the rules and regulations, and you can be a slave under the world. And both of those are yokes that we actually put upon ourselves to try to make us right with God or to actually run away from God. But Christ Jesus justified it. He said, justice is served. The rules, don't get caught up in all the rules. And I can free you from this world if you'll just put faith in me. And then look what he does. He says, then I want to clothe you. And this is beautiful language right here. I want you to get so immersed in me that when you come out, you're clothed with me. Hence, he uses the term baptism. Those who are baptized are clothed with me. That Im You immerse yourself so much. Gary always says this well. You'll start to smell like Jesus. You'll start to look like Jesus. Gary had this saying that he used to, and Gary's our lead pastor. He's gone for the weekend. He'd preach at another church down south. Gary used to say, oh, um, go smell like Jesus. I never liked that line, but I liked, he, it was his line. I was like, but it made you think. And that actually goes back to this deep thing of the aroma of Christ and sacrifices and blah, 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 and it's too much to explain right now. But in the end, he wants us to be clothed to reflect him. And then look what he wants. He, wants, he says, you'll be united, class structure broken down, gender issues broken down, culture broken down. You'll just be one. I've actually redeemed you, he says. Redeemed you is when you go hand the bottle in, how much do they give you? They give you something. So God gave his son so he could regain us. That's 
He gets the bottle back. That's us. But he had to give up something. That woman had to give up something for that child's freedom. But here's some of the best stuff I love. Can I accept I'm just adopted? And this is the best place for me because I'm so much more loved here. And that I'm spirit-filled and I'm actually an heir. So I have now this new knowledge in me and I'm an heir. I have full access to the kingdom. I love this picture uh, that one of our staff told me about. Take a look at this picture. Speaks to an heir. Speaks to the access that one has. This is JFK solving maybe the Cuban Missile Crisis. I don't know. Or something else bigger. But look at John John. John John's having a party under the desk. Only John John has that kind of access to the Father. Look at JFK's legs. Go down his legs and look what's between his feet. John John's shoe. That's a crazy scene. I wonder if that's his guardian next to the desk. Because John John needs some help and support. But the point there is access to the Father. All access. He's in the Oval Office during a meeting. That's crazy. Because you know why? That's not just his dad. That's his papa. And it says that we are able to call and be called a child of Abba. Do you know the only other place where Abba is used and who says it? Does anybody know? Jesus. And now, where was that? In the garden. Isn't it ironic that the garden syndrome can actually be solved by a statement said in the garden? If you just call out Papa, you solve garden syndrome. You're no longer caught up in afraid of him and not sure you're right, and you're no longer get overly attached to the world. But the moment you get overly attached to the world and the moment you get caught up in doing the right thing for him, if you just call out Papa, you're back in right relationship with him. Papa's an interesting term. My buddy's kids call him Papa. And it was really cute when they were young. But it's interesting to watch his 20-something daughter be in an event that we'll have our families together. And she'll walk up to him. She's been around the world. She's extremely capable. And she'll walk up and all of a sudden say, Hey, Papa. It almost doesn't seem bright. And I think that's how we feel sometimes about that. But when I look into her eyes when she says it, and I look at her lips, and I see this part of her face, it makes, reminds me of the child that I watched grow up for 20-some years, and her say that. And there's such a sweet intimacy between when that thriving, about ready to launch into the world, 20-something says, Papa. And I go, ooh, they have something special. He's pretty close to my kids, but no, they don't call him Papa. Are you with me? It speaks to the intimacy that we have the option to have. But isn't it amazing how we are infected with garden syndrome and we deny it? Oh, that seems too childish to call him Papa. I can do this on my own. I'm fine. We do it all the time, don't we? But look at the benefits of when we cry out, Papa. The benefits are this. There's this peace that we can actually gain when we get overly attached to the rules or overly attached to the world and we need to come back and we're right with God. We, can be, we know we're right with God because Papa's there for us. 
that peace can actually trickle onto other people. There's this perspective. Have you ever heard me talk about kingdom versus earth? Are you playing more kingdom or are you playing more earth? You call out Papa and ask Papa in to do it with you, you'll play more kingdom. You'll forgive more. You'll give more. You'll actually be at more peace. You'll see Safeway differently than you typically would. You'll see your coworkers differently than you would. But if you bring Papa with you, but if it's about being attached to the world or doing the right thing, you'll have your quiet time and you'll head to work and you'll do it self-reliantly on your own. And then you'll probably get overly attached to the world like I do and it'll be about you. It's interesting, when we get overly attached to the world, Papa kind of fades and it becomes about sex and substance and security and it becomes about success or it just becomes about selfishness. But if we cry out, Papa, it breaks that. And it just becomes about us with him. It becomes about his power. God, I'm at the end of my rope. I can't do this anymore. Uh, Papa, help. We all hit the end of our limitations. The cancer comes. We're scared of it. We're not sure what the illness is. The finances aren't working out. Our home is, is a bit nutty. I kind of lost control Friday afternoon. By Friday night, I had to send a text because I was heading off and away because Papa made it clear, hey, I'm sorry, honey. Will you receive it? Take a look at this final slide. Will you receive it? Will you not let the rules become a way of you coming accepted by him and working off your fear and being self-reliant? Will you push away from rejecting him and just open your arms to receive him and ask him, Papa, let's do this together? I want you to close... Um, as Janet comes up here to lead us to communion, I want you to close with finishing your DBS. What will be your I will statement? Based on what I heard today, I will call out Papa more. Based on my I will statement, I need to wrestle with being adopted. I'm not sure I believe it. I will, then look at the next one. I will share this. Who are you going to talk to about this? Just to get it to go deeper into your soul. Lord, thanks, and give us what our I wills and what I will share with are right now as we head to communion. Help us call out to you more and more as Papa. In Jesus' name, amen. listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com.